The researchers say more work is needed to determine who's most at risk and how to protect them. Vicky Barker, CBS News, London. Hey, listen, Vicky, I don't want to tell you how to do your job, but do we have to have the the underlying track of people hacking and puking back there? Did you add that? I did not. That's actually in her thing. I would not do that. Verify that. Fatigue. The researchers say more work is needed to determine who's most at risk and how to protect them. Vicki Barker, CBS News, London. Get that. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios. This is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Petrano. I'd buy that for a dollar. Yeah, you would. Thanks a lot, guys. Now I'm walking into work with tears rolling down my cheeks. Appreciate that very much on the old National Bank Talk and Text Line. Well, how do you think the guy coughing feels, <laughs> right. huh? He's not well. I will vouch for that, though. The long cold. And, you know, First of all, are, are, is every kid at your kid's school sick? Oh, yeah. Or has been Absolutely. in the last month, right? Of course. Which typically we, we forgot because we went two years, like, you know, with kind of either maybe not in school and kind of in the mask and all that stuff, but like that typically happens anyway. Kids mm-hmm. go back to school, yep. they come back, they're sick, they got yep. something, right? Yep, yep, yep. But everybody that I've known, like my kids were talking about somebody they know who's been had a cold or whatever for long. They're like, I mean, it could be COVID. I'm like, no, if you had COVID, you'd be done already. Right? Yeah, yeah, almost taken right, over right. one of these lingering, horrible colds. And how to protect them. <laughs> Vicki Barker. <laughs> Was there an actual like vomiting sound in there? Just, <laughs> the guy's just launching, <laughs> launching into like just oh man. Vicky's not new though; she's been at this for a she little while, so doing. she'll have some room there. Oh yeah, she knows what she's doing. And how to protect them, <laughs> Vicky Barker. If that were like one of the new new people, that would be a meeting. Now, like, he, hey, listen, I want to, Erica. You're doing a fine job. We're great to have great, great to have you here. at at the news station, but maybe that might have been a little distracting. Now, how do we know that just wasn't some of her, you know, co-workers in the newsroom just in the background with long colds? Some producer just gave her that, hey, I need you to track this story. <laughs> yeah. She does it, turns on the radio, hears <laughs> that. That's what they did with her. Anyway. Stop wasting our time. All right, let's get to get into a couple of things here in Washington. We've got the Trump submarine story, but we're going to start with Biden border wall. Uh, the border wall thing with the president, Department of Homeland Security, and the, sort of the mixed messaging we're getting from the administration. I'm going to play the bite that's been played over and over and over and over again the last 24 hours, rightly so. There will not be another foot of wall constructed on my administration. Then candidate Biden in 2020, pledging not another foot of border wall to be built under his administration. This this week, we learned the Department of Homeland Security is indeed going to be building an additional, what, about 20 miles or so is what they say, mm-hmm. in Star County, Texas, as migrants continue to surge over the border with Mexico. How many? CNN reporting last month alone, it was 200,000 migrants who were actually apprehended by Border Patrol agents. So that doesn't include all the folks who maybe not caught. And that's just in one month. 200,000. That's like two Green Bays. That's a lot of like, people. It's a whole, a whole like medium-sized American city yeah. times two in a month. And it's not stopping. You've seen it. This is happening. So wh- where do we get this apparent reversal in policy? President Biden in the White House, he's having a press gaggle for, I don't even know what the photo op was for. There was something else, right, where they bring the, the press. And, and, that, and that happens. Yeah, all the time. President sitting in his chair. I don't know who else was there. But they have their pre-scheduled events. Yada, yada. Yep, yep. Pictures taken, all the stuff, whatever. And then Some types of news breaks, and everyone asks about that other thing. And they're almost always told the president's not taking questions on anything. And then 
what the press does, what the press does. They shout out a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. as they're being ushered quickly out of the room. So that's what you hear at the front end of this. And the president does decide he's going to take a question or he wants to talk about the border wall. And this is his full statement. I'll play that for you. I'll answer one question on the border wall. The border wall, the money was appropriated for the border wall. I tried to get them to reappropriate, to redirect that money. They didn't. They wouldn't. And in the meantime, there's nothing under the law other than they have to use the money for what was appropriate. I can't stop that. Do you believe the border wall works? No. Okay. 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 It's just like I told the story of years ago covering the Packers and Lee Remmel was their PR guy. And when it was particularly salty with Coach Holmgren and the questions he was getting or whatever, Lee's job was to go up and say, Kind Not of, about do it, folks. Okay. <laughs> okay. Right, good. We're good here. Yeah, but he cut this one on his own. <laughs> okay. So he, without we don't need to relitigate border wall, good idea, bad idea. It's not my intention here. People have different opinions on that. Okay, fine. The, the holes I want to poke in the president's statement here is first as to whether or not the wall is needed. The president says it doesn't work. But his Homeland Security Secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas, in the official filing states, not only does it work, but it's needed. Here's what it says. There is presently an acute and immediate need to construct physical barriers and roads in the vicinity of the border of the United States in order to prevent unlawful entries into the United States in the project area. So does it work or doesn't it? You guys aren't even on the same page on this. And they get all bent out of shape like there's no mixed messaging here. But even that's OK. Like it's OK if there's conflicting ideas and thoughts within an administration. Absolutely. Then just don't tell me something different. Say we disagree on this. Or you guys get on the same page and decide this is going to be our messaging going forward. But it looks like hands not talking to foot. As to whether or not the money is previously appropriated and the argument that they had no choice, the president on his first day in office signed a proclamation claiming he wouldn't, quote unquote, waste any more taxpayer dollars on building the southern border wall. So people are right to say like, hey, you said you weren't going to spend any more money on this. You said you were canceling all this stuff, all the construction. Stops today, day one in office. So now we are building more, and you're saying it's not your choice? Like, where do you get that from? If you could cancel it then, why can't you cancel it now? What's more, just this week, the president announced another $9 billion in student loan cancellations. If you can spend money that's not appropriated by Congress, despite a recent Supreme Court ruling saying that you can't, why can't you cancel money that's been previously appropriated? President's demonstrated, like, I don't care with this student loan thing. That's a thing. I'm on. I'm going to do it. Go ahead. Challenge it again in court if you want to. But I'm doing this. He's doing it because he wants to. So if he really didn't want to build the wall, he could take that to court and let him challenge it. So if you were his PR guy, what would you tell him to do? Well, get your message straight, which is, okay, I mean, there's nothing wrong with, and folks have texted in saying, well, you know, don't people have a right to change their mind or don't people have a right to change or don't conditions on the ground? Absolutely. There's your statement. Conditions on the ground, on the border, and you can agree or disagree with this, but if I'm advising him, hey, conditions at the border have changed. You've seen it. You've seen the video. I'm not blind to that. And so, you know, what was the case when I took office in 2021 is not the case now. I do think in this very specific spot, this is needed. My guys on the ground here are telling this. I need to help our Border Patrol agents. We need to get this under control, and this is what I'm doing. So you can call it a pivot. You can call it whatever you want. This is what we're doing now. And just own it. But this idea of, well, I, I, there's nothing I can do about it. Or, we don't need it. Walls don't work. Or they do work. One more thing to skirt around the thing here, the talking points that they're using also. The, see, the wall, it's really not a wall. 
We had no choice. Building a border wall was former President Donald Trump's signature policy decision. And the Biden administration claims that money appropriated by Congress under the former administration in 2019 requires they continue to build barriers at the border. Customs and Border Protection plans indicate that the new construction will be an 18-foot portable barrier, different than the 30-foot baller design added under Trump's administration. Oh, all right. So it's not the baller design. So the wall's <laughs> nice. It's not really a wall. It's a movable obstruction. I mean, come on, man. Depends on what the definition of is is, right? It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. What's a wall? So you're building the wall. My, my issue is... Not whether we should have a wall, whether we shouldn't have a wall. It's just, if you're going to do it, do it and own it. Oh, there's a difference between something that floats in the river and a 40-foot tall wall. Also true. But they're they're building an obstruction, movable or not, that's going to go there. So that's my my complaint about it. Not whether or not it should be a wall or shouldn't be a wall. Just like, own it, man. And now the other guy? We ready? (laughs) Uh, so former President Donald oh, Trump. The other guy. Right, because these are right now our yes. choices for next time around. Apparently, uh, former President Trump disclosed secret, secret information about America's nuclear subs to a foreigner, an Australian billionaire named Anthony Pratt, this after he left office. The conversation's been reported to Special Counsel Jack Smith. Now, who is investigating all of this? ABC's Jonathan Carl. Sources say Pratt told federal investigators that Trump was leaning towards him as if to be discreet and allegedly shared two critical pieces of information about U.S. submarines. The supposed exact number of nuclear warheads each usually carries and exactly how close they can supposedly get to a Russian submarine without being detected. So, <laughs> now, wait a minute. Hey, you know what? You know what these subs can do. I mean, I can almost hear them talking would you do about that. It. Well, it's it's impressive dialogue, right? It's imp- it, hey, first of all, they put four nukes on these things. Hey, you want to know something? We can get up super close to those Russians. Like, I, that, it doesn't actually surprise me. It's unclear if the information that he allegedly shared is accurate, but the sources are telling ABC that the investigators asked Pratt not to repeat it suggesting that it was too sensitive to share. But within minutes of his conversation with Trump ending, the Australian billionaire started telling other guests at Mar-a-Lago about it. Yeah, because now I got hey, to, hey. You know what Don just told me? Now you can't tell anybody, because I promise not to tell anybody. So they have like but... five nukes on each of these subs. <laughs> and they can get super close to these Russians and stuff. And apparently they got some in the Arctic. <laughs> like, stop right. it, stop it. Anyway, so yeah, so that's out there floating around now, so. Okay, and locally, here's what we're debating. Butt crack. Yep, that story next on Wisconsin's Morning News. When would the Brewers have played? Saturday. Sunday? Saturday? Oh, man, we should totally be... Never mind. Right? I think game one would have been tomorrow. Yeah. Mm. Anyway... (laughs) <laughs> Gotta move on. On Wisconsin's morning news. You want to get into this? Butt crack. <laughs> Where that came from and why wow. that was uttered in a state Senate committee hearing? Yes, please. The committee is the Senate Committee on Mental Health, Substance Abuse Prevention, Children, and Families, debating a couple of bills surrounding public nudity and specifically children attending those events. Actually, that's the side bill as well. Described this way, Wisconsin Republicans trying to make it a crime to be naked in public for any reason and for a child to attend any event like what we've talked about in the last summer or so, the naked bike rides where people don't have clothes on. And it's coming from a good place, I think, because, one, you know, 
I care less about the naked bike ride generally. I don't get it. I don't understand how it spreads your message. You would not participate? I'm not interested in participating, nor witnessing. (laughs) But whatever. All right, go ahead. Do your naked bike ride. But in Madison over the summer, there was a kid who, I don't know, as a parent, I just can't imagine, but some parent or some guardian thought it was a good idea to trot out a 12-year-old child to participate in naked bike ride. Well, people stand along the route and they take pictures, and whether on purpose or just caught in the background or whatever, there are naked pictures of a 12-year-old up on the internet, which I would hope we can all agree is not something we want, right? We spend so much time and effort to prevent that from happening. That's where these bills are coming from. There is a legitimate question as to whether or not they're going too far, and to simply ban nudity of any kind in public at all, does that have crossover effect into the arts, for example? Right, because that's the question. Well, when would it be okay to be nude in public? Right. What if you're doing a play that calls for some sort yep. of nudity? Uh, what about, and this is the issue that <laughs> caused us to get to this moment. Butt crack. Uh, this is <laughs> Senator Latanya Johnson, a Democrat from Milwaukee, is testifying at the committee or questioning committee members as to what happens about concerts. Sometimes the biggest time performers among us have pretty scantily clad mm-hmm. dancers and stuff. So right. does, does this mean they can't have those concerts here? Does this mean... People can't go to those concerts. Here's her statement or question. And nowadays, uh, if you go to a concert, depending on the type of concert, a lot of people do have their buttocks exposed. That not only could prohibit them from coming here, it's also a concern for those parents that would take their children there, that that could potentially be illegal, and it also affects the revenue that's coming into the state from ticket sales. Here's what I like about senator johnson's approach on this she's even taking it outside of look people are going to agree or disagree on the morality of all this let me break it down to something that matters to everybody dollars and cents are we going to not have concerts come here because you can't go there you get arrested in milwaukee if your dancers are wearing a thong or something like that right i can't imagine that would happen but anyway so right yeah exactly so i think the answer to that is and devil's in the details if that's not in the bill then point well taken we should put that in there could there be amendments whatever I would have answered it this way, which is clearly I hope we can all agree that this is about not having children exposing themselves, potentially ending up on the Internet and things like that. Let's talk more about that. Let's offer amendments. Senator Chris Capping, a Republican Delafield, answered it in this fashion. A, a strip of cloth from Joanne's fabric costs about 37 cents. So if they've got to buy 100 strips of cloth to cover their Butt crack, um, I'm okay with that. I, I think they'll still come into town for the tens of millions of dollars that um, that they will get. And I highly doubt that Beyonce would not come because she can't expose her crack. I got I to gotta feel bad for Beyonce in that moment. Like, hey, how do I get in? Why are you pulling me into this? What do I have to do with this? And why am I buying fabric? Why am I exposing my crack to whom? Butt crack. Okay. So that was mentioned and discussed. Again, they're doing the state's business in Madison. <laughs> I don't know where this ultimately goes. I hope it gets to the good place of doing the work that I think is is probably reasonable and necessary, which is how do we prevent children from being exposed in this fashion? If you want to still have your naked bike ride, I don't know, I don't care. But you know, can we can we find agreement on that? And if that's where we need to go, that's where we need to go. But uh, we have a new drop for the show. Butt crack. 8.33 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Eight forty one on Wisconsin's Morning News. 
Pretty neat event at the uh, the Fister last night that I was able to go to. You get the paddles raised. You're raising the money. Yeah. But good cause. One that uh, connects with a lot of things that I think are important. For an awesome cause. on behalf. And therefore, of... it's a good cause. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't mean it to come off that way. So the facility is St. Francis Children's Center. It's in Milwaukee. It's on Port Washington Road, just south of Good Hope in that stretch over there. And it's pretty remarkable what they do there. It's a hidden gem, really. They give education, therapy, family support to more than 1,200 children and their families. Many of those children are targeted with special needs. So, And some aren't, too. So they have this inclusive environment at this facility where children with special needs and their families are getting the support. And then there might be some other kids there as well. So last night was their Leading Lights Awards Banquet. Uh, and I was asked to MC, so that was an honor to be there for that and uh, recognize some pretty important people that do some good work here in Southeast Wisconsin, like Dr. David Margolis, you'd recognize him, his wife Jody Margolis, who does some great work, uh, Randy Bryant from 10 Chimneys out there in Waukesha County, Cecilia Gore from the Brewers Community Foundation, she was there, I sat at their table. Yeah, how'd she like you? Uh, she, we know Cecilia from the show. She, she dealt with the program. Me. She dealt with me. <laughs> <laughs> She was like, okay. Uh, actually, I got to sit next to the Groovers, chatted with the Groovers for a bit. Also, uh, two women who were um, were recognized last night, they co-founded a nonprofit called Journey 21. And that's a nonprofit that provides living and learning options for adults with developmental disabilities. And Vince, we've talked about this before, this idea of like, okay, we, we provide and there's opportunities for development and growth when they're teenagers or, or kids, but what happens when they age out? What who helps them and who helps their families. Correct. And that's what Journey 21 does. I spoke with them. So Susan Marriott and uh, Sheila Freisinger were t- those two that co-founded Journey 21 and also were honored last night. Uh, Sheila explained a little bit about it. What we've experienced is that there's a great support system that's in place when children are going through the school system, even through the 18 to transition um, programs in high school. But once that stops and they turn 21, it's coming off the cliff. So a lot of the support systems and services that have been in place since they were young and parents relied on, all of a sudden vanish. And, and families are kind of left to navigate what's next for themselves. So it's always been our dream to be able to bridge that gap between what happens when these young adults finish school to be able to continue to have that continuum of learning and the lifelong learning and to to develop and retain friendships to learn how to live independently to live their best life because they want to live like every other everybody else just like their peers they want to be just like their peers and they want to have the same opportunities as their peers you made an interesting comment you when you spoke earlier you said a sense of purpose mm-hmm. we've always said that we would like to see adults like our boys live a meaningful life with purpose and to be able to give them the opportunities give them the tools for them to create their own meaningful life is really what we're trying to achieve so that's sheila there and it was pretty amazing hearing sheila and sue they actually met like eight years ago sitting at a special olympics sitting in the stands and and spoke and realized that they both had similar thoughts and concerns about their children once they would quote unquote age out. So there with Journey 21 again, uh, thanks to St. Francis Children's Center and all the good work they are doing there. A hidden gem in Milwaukee. 845, Wisconsin's Morning News. Eight forty eight on Wisconsin's Morning News this Friday morning. Feel free to stop texting me questions about plumbers and what happens to them if we pass the indecency. <laughs> 
butt crack. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Got Every, message. Thank you. Text line message we, received. We just wouldn't have them. <laughs> right. We just wouldn't have them anymore. According to the yes. according to the bill. Noted. Thank you. <laughs> Greg Pancake Hill is the producer of, of this here program, Wisconsin's Morning News. He got his nickname because he used to work at the Pancake House on the South Side. Every week we have great ideas for this show, and some of them just don't quite make it into the rundown. So we assign Greg to whip up a little something with the leftovers. Here again on this Friday morning is the Pancake Breakfast Special. What about breakfast? We've already had it. We've had one, yes. What about second breakfast? It's the end of the world as we know it, I feel fine. One of those, we'll joke about it until it's real and it's not funny, but for right now it remains funny. Where are you? <laughs> That's a great start. Where were you at 1.20 p.m. on Wednesday, October 4th? Wherever you were, you'll remember that another nationwide emergency alert test was issued on cell phones all across the country. Now, I don't need to play how it sounded. In fact, legally, I cannot do that. But we've been using this as a reference, and I think it fits pretty well. It's the most annoying sound in the world. <laughs> yeah, that's just about how it, that's exactly how close it was. So, I think it fits pretty well. And what if, though, we could spice it up a bit? Forgive me, but a producer always keeps on producing. So, can we have some effort here from the federal government? They already know everything about us due to being us being reliant on our cell phones. So what would make an EAA, EAS test better is if it was personalized to each user. So I thought, what would be everyone's song blasting through their phone if it was their sign <laughs> that the end of the world is coming? Okay. This is if I produce the end of the world. This is how <laughs> it would go. First up, we have our sports guy. Brandon Snide. If Brandon Snide's phone tells him it's the end of the war- world, he will hear this. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Ooh, it's time to go. Time to go. Wrap up the, wrap up the family. Get the sports memorabilia. Grab the motorcycle. We're out of here. Oh, he'd be son, saving lives. Son, go get the guns from the cabin. Go. There Let's go. go. Let's it's go. On. It's time Unlock to go. Yeah. I'll show you end of the world. <laughs> Can we send it to him first? Can he get it three minutes before the rest of us? I think, actually, I think the military works that way where he has the perks where he will get the notification nice. about three minutes early. All right, let's do Eric Bilstad. If Eric Bilstad was being notified that the end of the world was coming, he would hear this. A not-so-known fact about Eric Bilstad that I probably never would have guessed is that he is not a fan of Hootie and the Blowfish. No. He does not like At Hootie. All. So no. if this was playing through his phone, full blast, unabided and uninvited, it quite possibly could be the end of the world, or at least he would want it to be. I'd look forward to it, yeah. <laughs> Do you want to know the compliment I was about to pay you and actually where I thought he was going with this? Is that you and your lovely wife have a wonderful, beautiful marriage. That's yeah, true. And that Eric's first thought would be, where is my bride? And how can we spend these last you. moments together? It could be. And then he would hear this. And he would go in a blind rage. <laughs> and now he sings country. What is this? And now he sings country. You know what's really demoralizing is when you tell people Darius Rucker didn't start in a country band. And they're like, oh, what? <laughs> yeah, that's how old you are. Vince Vitrano. Present. If Vince Vitrano... Knew that the end of the world was coming via his cell phone. What song would he hear to tell us of impending doom? Who let the dogs out? <laughs> <laughs> it's not so much the song, 
but the literal situation. Dogs absolutely everywhere. No sense of accountability. No supervision. No answers to where these dogs even came from. The world might end now because if we're already in Vetrano's version of hell, then it might as well end. That's <laughs> <laughs> right, solid. All right, we got two two more here. Real quick, how about we go to Washington, right? Like, if it's going to be the government themselves actually letting us know, what would come through? Oh, I don't know. Maybe Kevin McCarthy's phone? Okay. No. Okay. Wow. Okay. Too soon. Take it easy. You know. I don't like when Pancake does politics. Yeah, I don't like it because you know <laughs> then people hear this. Oh, boo all you want. Don't worry, <laughs> Matt Gates. I got one for you too, buddy. Doll weirdo. (laughs) (laughs) I should say those things. And finally, oh, that got you mad. Finally, if the world was ending, what would play through Craig Council's phone? He's so tired of hearing it, right? Take it easy. I'm just saying, if the end of the world was coming, this is what would come out of people's phones. I think, honestly, personally, Maybe I should get the job of producing the end of the world. If we're closer to it than we ever have been before, it sounds like we are. It sounds good, and more importantly, if it's produced well, you know what? Maybe the apocalypse, it won't be so bad. Part of it, New York, New York. At 857 WTMJ, forecast is sponsored by Dave Drake Camp Heating, where your comfort is their family's tradition. Just thinking about this. You turn on the heat tonight? No. Low temperature of 42. Nope. Low of 42. Not going to do it. It's going to get to like 50 degrees in your house, I can't switch right from AC to heat. (laughs) You can't. I cannot do that. Classic Wisconsin. Increasing clouds, windy with a chance of showers this afternoon and evening high near 60 degrees. And again, that low temperature of 42 tonight. Weekend looks okay. I mean, it's pretty. we'd take this for a solid fall weekend if we hadn't had 80 degrees last weekend. Partly cloudy, breezy, and cool both Saturday and Sunday. High temperatures in the mid to upper 50s. Our temperature right now at 52 in Milwaukee. What where, is, where is WTMJ now at? They're in Waupon, right? Today. Producer Charlie just gave the thumbs up. Mm-hmm. What are we doing up there? It's a card show or something, right? Yep. So that'd be kind of neat. That's different for them. Charlie said he brought in his cards. Do you have any baseball cards left? I do. I have tons. Do you? We've, uh, what are you tried, doing with those? Well, so actually a bunch of them we glued onto a uh, cork sheet and yeah. put it up to catch the darts from the dartboard in our basement. Okay. So it's just a, a collage of random old 1991 <laughs> right, so baseball players. Not of any particular value. No. It's funny. That's what everyone always right. says first. My mom was worried. She's like, well, you're not putting up any that are... Our value. I'm like, of course not. Well, it's usually the mom who gets the blame, right? Mom, <laughs> I, I got rid of all those old cards you had in the... Oh, no, no. But, oh, yeah, we have a bunch. I don't know what to do with them, actually, to be perfectly honest. I didn't have a lot of baseball cards. We were into the sticker books. Yeah, it was just starting two. to happen. You know, the Fleers and the Top Flights, yep. and then the, the special sticker was the Foil. Yes, yeah, I love those. Like, that was in the featured spot. 
I thought the boys would like uh, like my old sticker books. Yeah. I like here's a, so a bunch of football ones. Here's some baseball ones. Nah, like what, what bunch of guys I don't know in Dad's <laughs> yeah, old books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just old. Yeah. Eight fifty nine on Wisconsin's morning news. WTMJ now with Stephen Sandy live from Wapan is coming up. Business headlines first with the Milwaukee and how Business to protect Journal. Them. <laughs> Vicky Barker's <laughs> with the Milwaukee Business Journal's Margaret Nacek. and how to protect them. Vicky Barker.